Lester Jackson has represented Savannah in the Georgia General Assembly this entire century, and then some, actually. He was elected to the Georgia House in 1998 and moved over to the Senate a little more than a decade later. The legislature's latest session is scheduled to end next week, and it will mark the end of Jackson's legislative career. He's leaving the General Assembly to run for state labor commissioner in the upcoming 2022 election. Senator Jackson is our guest for the Thursday episode of The Commute Podcast. From SavannahNow.com, this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Bremer, opinion editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. My colleague Will Peebles handles the interviewing duties today with a conversation with Senator Lester Jackson. I nearly pulled rank on Will with this interview as I've gotten to know Jackson well in recent years and I genuinely appreciate his somewhat unorthodox approach to politics. In short, Jackson's not afraid to break some dishes of doing his job and alienate some folks. Multiple times over the last four years, I've received texts that read something to the effect of, did you see what Lester just did? And it never ceases to make me chuckle. Anyway, I digress. And before I let Will take over and do the interview with Lester, I must promote the commute's presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Let's face it, when it comes to the office environment, we've all been treading water since the COVID-19 outbreak. That makes right now the perfect time to freshen up your space. And the folks at National Office Systems are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture to create great workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's journalist Will Peebles' interview with Senator Lester Jackson. So yeah, uh, l- let's get to it, man. Um, w- what does it feel like now? You, you know, like you've gone into this session this year. Uh, it's been a been a pretty quick one, been a pretty busy one. Seems like um, y'all got a lot done up there, man. Uh, what's it like just being up there, knowing that it's your last one as a legislator? Uh, it's, it's just still exciting. It still hadn't. It still hadn't hit me yet. It's just still exciting. I still have a, a lot of bills uh, uh, to uh, go through. I I was just. Uh, uh, Bill was just put in my uh, committee uh, about 45 minutes ago. The city of Buckhead bill, uh, a bill. So um, very shortly, I'm going to hear a bill related to the city of Buckhead. I still have uh, stuff in the budget that we're fighting for the green door. Uh, we have a, a, a couple of bills that's still pending that I'm trying to get on uh, on the rules care committee. So um, it's still exciting. So I haven't felt that. It's ending. It's still we're still in the midst of, of a fight. This is our thirty seventh day, and 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 uh, those who are active in state government, you know, in a forty day session, the thirty seventh, thirty eighth, thirty ninth, and fortieth day are the most dangerous, and it's the, the most busiest. So I haven't felt that that uh, uh, that separation loss yet. Uh, we're still actively involved in trying to get through the session. Do you remember what those days were like when you first got there versus now, like uh, like you know, twenty four years ago? What were what were you, what was going through a young Lester Jackson's head on uh, those final three days, that final week of the session? Well, uh, when I first joined the assembly, I was like a uh, a deer in the middle of the road with headlights coming at it. <laughs> Didn't know anything. Uh, uh, I needed help to find the uh, bathroom, 
So it was, uh, uh, so it was, it was different, but I, I felt a sense of, can I do this? It was so much to learn, so many people to, to get to know, to, to move legislation. It, so, um, a lot of things were, and as it's still today, uh, a lot of things move real fast and you have to be a part of that, uh, train because when a train leaves the station you're not on it you're going to get left behind so it, it seems the, the political process in our state government seemed so fast for me uh 20 uh years ago and um and i didn't know if i could keep up but uh but it, it worked out you know, I can't help but feel some familiarity there with you because I, I myself, over these last couple of years, have been trying to figure out how the state legislature works, and it is a lot to jump onto. I don't know. What did you do? How did you? How did you get your get your head around it? I guess. Like, were there people there to help you? Mentors? Anybody in particular? Well, yes, yes. Uh, when I first joined General Assembly, uh, uh, we sought out advisors, and I had two great uh, mentors that took time to take me to dinner show me the, the process and just help me along. One was uh, uh, Terry Coleman. Terry Coleman was a chairman of, uh, of appropriations and we had a unique um, uh, connection. He was from Eastman, Georgia and I was born in a little small town called Alamo. Mm. And, and, uh, uh, and he represented my hometown. So uh, although he was state representative, he, he, knew a lot of my, he knew a lot of my families. And it kind of helped him got time to put his signs out. I still had a lot of family members in, in Alamo and in, in, in Eastman and in Vidalia. So, uh, so, so he embraced me. Another guy who really embraced me was, was Calvin Smiley. Um, Calvin Smiley uh, at that time was uh, a high-ranking uh, member of the Georgia General Assembly uh, from Columbus, Georgia. He was a, a uh, uh, he understood the process uh, but uh, so so those two individuals very early, uh, uh, Terry Coleman, who later became speaker, uh, engaged me to take me out to dinner and just showing me, me the process. Uh, uh, Calvin Smiley spent time with me during the general assembly, talked about bills, helped me with legislation, and and my senator at the time, uh, Senator Diane Harvey Johnson, really uh, really reached out and and. And we used to drive to and from the Capitol together. And those four hours driving up and down uh, 16 and 75 from Savannah to Atlanta, you not only learned about legislation and about government, but you also learned about the heart of people. And I'm gonna tell you, uh, I, I learned that my, uh, my then Senator, uh, Senator Diane Harvey Johnson had a great heart and, and loved the people of Chatham County and, and, was a, and represented them well. Yeah, gotcha, man. I, that, that's awesome. It's just cool that you had so many mentors and, and people to to kind of like show you the way up there because I feel like that's the only way, right? You know, it's just such a complicated process. Um, do you, so uh, in those early years, back in your house days, um, was, were there any bills that stuck out? Like, what was the first one that you really latched on to? Was there was there anything in particular? Well, the first bill I had as a member of the General Assembly was a I thought was a was a a great feel good bill. It was a swimming pool bill. I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> uh, it was a bill to regulate private swimming pools. At that time, 24 years ago, private swimming pools were not regulated. They were, you know, uh, uh, and 
we had some drowning, some drownings that were accidental, and we tried to do something that was that would uh, prevent some of the deaths and access to pools, like uh, put a mark out so you can identify um, four feet from 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 deep water, uh, making sure you have safety gear available for everybody, uh, like a, a life jacket, and um, and making sure that uh, everyone tested their pool water and it had the right form of chlorine. Just some good guidelines. It was a Senate bill, and I thought it was nothing. And the Senator, uh, Donzella James, asked me what I carried for in the house. And, and I said, sure, I would. I can handle this. It's good. My first year, my first bill, I felt really good about it. We, we, we uh, spent two hours with her. She worked it out with me. And then an hour before the bill, I understood a guy, this, the chairman of the corporations, asked that he put an amendment on the bill. And I didn't know about the amendments. I didn't know about, I didn't know about amendments in that process. But I do know that if I denied him the opportunity to put an amendment on the bill, that there might be some some uh, re, uh, repercussions. So his amendment was to uh, to also regulate, um, um, which was germane. He also wanted to regulate uh, 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 the uh, public. No, um, he wanted regulate. Uh, he wanted to regulate something else. But he wanted to regulate uh, the what's the thing that when you, when you don't have public when you don't have a uh, uh, public sewage uh, a well a regulation of septic tanks sure oh, oh septic tanks okay cool gotcha right right so <laughs> he wanted to put a regulation of septic tanks and when I went to the well. I had I knew nothing about substitutes. <laughs> My first bill, well, but they usually heckle you anyway. I was in a well forty minutes talking about substitutes, <laughs> and it was uh, so so. And I was I, I I got so wrapped up in knowing too much about swimming pools. It was all about substitutes and the need for substitutes, and and uh, I was lost. And uh, my bill lost by one vote. My first bill lost by one vote. And then we had to have it reconsidered. And then it won on reconsideration. Uh, Terry Coleman came down and bailed me out. Uh, he, had, he explained it just a little bit more. So, um, so it was a very difficult time for me. So anyway, it was exciting. Yeah, but, the, uh, the, I got beat up my first time. My first time in the well, introducing a bill, I got really beat up. Yeah, because so so. Do you still remember any facts about septic tanks from that time? Oh, absolutely. I know everything is about septic tanks. So so so, so what I find myself at, and they still tease me today. I started talking about swimming pools, but it was all about something to begin with S. <laughs> And begin, and end with T. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. So, <laughs> so yeah, oh, that's that's a heck of a first bill, man. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, 
so I, I guess uh, kind of to, to go off of that, um, are there are, what are the bills that you were proud of? Because you know the swimming pool ones—that's your first one, right? That's that's getting in there, that's getting it together, that's learning about septic tanks in five minutes and, and open, hoping and praying for the best. But you know, what, what was the one that? What, were there any that, that you're particularly proud of? The one that the one that stands out to you? Um, the one that I, I'm, I'm extremely proud of, and, and there are several, but the one I'm most extremely proud of is uh, one that passed maybe uh, six years ago that deals with um, a little creek down in uh, Savannah, Georgia. It didn't mean a whole lot, but there was a little creek I remember. down in Savannah called Runaway Negro Creek. And, um, and I had a, some visitors from Savannah first alerted to me. It was off the Skidaway Island. And they said that, uh, and they wrote me a letter after they came to visit Savannah on the tour. And they asked me, why do we have a creek that talked about enslaved people running away? And um, so I did an investigation, found out that there was a creek that was established uh, that, that, uh, that, there was a creek that was named after the uh, Civil War that uh, that separated the Union soldiers from the uh, Confederates uh, from 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 mainland from main from from mainland Georgia um, from Savannah um, at the time when uh, um, the Union soldier was marching from Tennessee on their way to the coast. There was a a brigade of of uh, there was a brigade of Union soldiers that took a ship and got an island off the coast of Savannah, and that was to pre- to prevent the Confederate army the army from um, from retreating. They was going to blockade the 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 river that the Savannah River that came out, so no Confederates uh, ships could retreat and all the soldiers could, could retreat. So what happens is that when the slaves found out that there was a encampment of, um, an encampment of uh, Union troops, they knew if they could escape to the Union camp, that they would be considered free people. And, and so uh, long story short, there was uh, many enslaved people that, that, that went across that creek, which was then a river, to the Union camp so that in search of their freedom. And many did. But with that, many also died because of, uh, they couldn't, uh, uh, they didn't understand when high tide and low tide, uh, it was infested with alligators and snakes. Um, so we, what we found out was that uh, many died, but after the, but after the war, the the uh, descendants of the Confederacy got to name that creek. They they renamed that creek. I don't know what it was before then, but they renamed it Runaway End Creek. Long story short, we had, uh, uh, after introducing the bill two years in the Senate, we renamed that to Freedom Creek, and I believe that was a, an extremely high mark in my life. 
Yeah, man, I remember that one. It's fun. It's interesting to hear the story. I, I wasn't, su- I wasn't following state politics super closely at the time. I was just doing cops beat, and I remember seeing that one come up. And uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a heck of a story, man. You know, uh, that's the time. Um, yeah. So yeah. something I did want to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was just a proud moment, and uh, um, and it got a uh, it got a lot of national press. It did. Uh, they they talked about it in 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 the. New York Times talked about it in the London paper and and the Cal and uh, San Francisco paper. It was just a remarkable story. What he talked about the enslaved people and why they were and why they were uh, going across the creek and the Union soldiers and what it meant to the enslaved people in the Greater Savannah area at that time. No more, no more did they have to try to run north and go through South Carolina, North Carolina, and Virginia to get to freedom. Or, but all they had to do was cross a river, and that was considered Union territory, and they would, would be free. So they noticed that for many of them, freedom was less than a mile away versus versus 800 miles. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Pardon the interruption, Adam here again. You are listening to the Commute Podcast interview with Senator Lester Jackson. He'll talk more with Will Peebles in just a moment. I want to take this opportunity to encourage you to support local community journalism by subscribing to savannahnow.com, the online home of the Savannah Morning News. That's where you can find and keep up with local happenings in the Georgia General Assembly and see what Senator Jackson is up to. Right now, $1 a month gets you all access for the next six months. Six dollars, six months. Pretty simple. Go to savannahnow.com slash subscribe now and sign up. Now, back to the interview with outgoing Senator Lester Um, Yeah, so one thing I did want to touch on, um, uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on something. Uh, So think back to, you know, the, the turn, like, 2000. Um, right when you're first in there, 1998, 1999, versus uh, this most recent session now. Um, we've seen a lot of changes in the country over those years. We've seen a lot of changes in the state. Different parties have been in power over that time. Um, how does it compare? When you look back on all that time, um, do, do you remember the specific instances or how things were back then? Um, like, what, what, How has the tone shifted since uh, you know early 2000s to now? There, there, there is an old saying. Uh, when I first joined the General Assembly 20 plus years ago, that the only consistent thing under the gold dome is change, <laughs> and 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 that holds true. Um, when when I uh, first joined the General Assembly, uh, me having a chance to talk to a member of the General Assembly that been in for 20 years, um, I just thought they had tremendous knowledge and tremendous wisdom. Um, um, and uh, uh, so, uh, and now I'm one of those people. Come to people and say, you know, I want, I want to be under your tutelage. So, um, so that too has is is a big difference from me seeking answers. I'm the one giving answers. <laughs> yeah. but, but the biggest, biggest you, know, you know, the big biggest obvious change, uh, what people look at is the the change in the majority party from from Democratic majority when I first entered to Republican Party uh, majority which is now um, many people look at it as, as the biggest change but but I think there's a there's another change too is that um, the amount of women that participate in, in, in state government as elected officials has uh, changed tremendously 
and and not just the Republicans versus Democrats, the type of people that go into politics. When I first joined General Assembly, um, maybe one third of the members of the General Assembly were attorneys. And and people in rural Georgia and people in rural Georgia had a lot of influence, um, um, and especially south of Atlanta. A lot of people in south of Atlanta had had a lot of influence. They were rural Georgians. Uh, as I, I met, you saw um, Terry Coleman, the Speaker of the House, when he was a Democrat, and Mark Taylor, <coughs> Terry Coleman, who was a was from Eastman, Georgia, which is South Georgia, what South, which is like Middle Georgia, mm-hmm. was Speaker of the House. And Mark Taylor, which was an Albany, um, was Lieutenant Governor. Um, um, although we had Roy Barnes, who, who who lived in Cobb County, and, and Cobb County at the time wasn't considered a part of the greater Atlanta area. It was considered a deep suburb, mostly uh, uh, rural, you know, Almost a rural part of Georgia. So, um, so what we found in, in is that um, there's been a shift of where leadership lives. Um, we don't, we uh, you, you would see that we don't have the same type of strong leaders in South Georgia than we have in the the the, the, the controlling entity. Most of them live in Atlanta or above. Or, or in, in, in the northern suburbs. So, so we have a, a shift geographically in leadership as well as a shift uh, uh, within uh, a majority party. So, um, so I think that is a unique change. And, and the amount of, and, also, and once again, the amount of women that, that play a key role that serves in, in leadership is, is also not only impressive, but it's a time you know, that, that, that has come and, and it shows a shift that not only women are voting, more of them are participating in the political process. So why, why do you think that is in Atlanta? Is that just because, uh, you know, access, money, you know, donors, uh, proximity to the capital? I, I don't know. What, what do you think is that is the reason for so many of these, the modern or the contemporary leadership going out or coming out of Atlanta? Uh, um, um, the, it's really the growth of Atlanta. It's really been the growth of Atlanta. Um, um, Georgia used to be uh, 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 Georgia uh, we considered a, a you know, not only a great state and not only a great a, a, a diverse state but people kind of lives all over Georgia. We found out now um, in, in 2022 Sixty um, percent of the people that live in Georgia live within sixty miles of downtown Atlanta. Sixty hmm. percent of the people that live in Georgia live within a, you know, fifty to sixty mile radius of downtown Atlanta. So, well, fifty miles of downtown Atlanta. So we know the voting block is in a great Atlanta area. They have a huge voting block, whether it's Republican or Democrats. It is just so many people that live here that they really control uh, not only politics but they can they can control government leadership people have a tendency to vote their kind and uh and, and that shift is uh uh not only remarkable but it, it it shows that it's a sign of time and also when you look at women participating you see that more more um 
women and more, um, especially women of color, or or um, or, or joining this process and and sticking their name in to run for public office, which I thought was surprising and rewarding. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we just got Edna Jackson in there. Um, I want to say she's one of the few people who have one of the few women who have represented Savannah at the state level. Well, well, well. Think the last. Think of the last time we had a woman representing Chatham County. I'll be honest. I don't think I know who it was. Regina Thomas. That's ah, Senator. that's right. Yeah. Regina Thomas, state senator. She was the last female that represented. Uh, Chatham County, and that was 14 years ago, wow. and it was only her, and and only her. So, um, so, so before Edna Jackson, there's been a 14 year gap where we didn't have a woman representing Chatham County. Um, 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 uh, so, uh, so, but but that shows a shift, and that shift is good. Um, you know, Georgia is a truly diverse state, and and I think that is. And, and I think that we should show and and we show our diversity uh, and, and, and under the gold dome. Gotcha, man. Well, yeah, um, you know this is this is the end of a long career. You're, uh, you you grew up here in Savannah, right? Like, didn't didn't you live here as as a kid? I moved here by parents, and I moved here when I was in second grade. Gotcha. So yes, I've been here a long time. You know, like it's this is uh, you know obviously nothing's keeping you from running again after after like running back for your state seat again. I don't know if that's in your plans or not. That's that's in the pretty distant future, you know. Um, uh, and of course, there's a labor commissioner run this year, but you know, for the most part, this is as far as I'm concerned, the end of an era. You know, 24 years. That's that's not a short amount of time, man. Um, and I got a real hard question for you. Do you think mm-hmm. do you think that you're leaving it better? Than than you found it. I absolutely think. I absolutely think I'm leaving it um, to better than I found it. I think of uh, of me being a uh, a person that came in with new ideas, with with a passion to do to make things better, and I introduced legislation sometime to open awareness. And I think I've, I've done that. I think I've, I've uh, been really good when it comes to appropriations and fighting for um, those that those big budget items to come back to Chatham County. Um, I think I did a, a great job in that, but but being an advocate for, for public schools, um, I, uh, uh, I embrace the idea, but bringing, bringing people's attention to guns and, and the fact that we need to allow sheriffs to destroy weapons that they seized or a criminal activity, and now that same um, right for uh, police chiefs to destroy weapons. To talk about high school dropout age, the need to, um, the, the need to, uh, uh, the need to increase the high school dropout age from 16 to 17. I mean, I think that we're giving the young people of Georgia disservice when we allow them to drop out of school at 16. And we know that law is antiquated. Uh, it was, you know, that law was. Uh, from from the 1940s, and uh, and we still have it on the books to allow 16 years old to drop out of school. But but what I'm what I'm really proud of is I joined the general assembly because I wanted to um, provide some technical and vocational education to my little basketball team. Uh, I had a little mentoring program 
uh, when I was a, uh, I was a, I had a little mentoring program in 1995, 96, and uh, and uh, the parents wanted their kids to get involved. I wanted their kids to get exposed to technical education. And at the time in 95, 96, we didn't have an extensive technical or vocational education program for young people on the east side of Savannah. Um, uh, to make a long story short, uh, uh, I approached the school board to uh, provide some technical education for my young mentoring program that I, I um, uh, we made a basketball team out of my mentoring program. Um, me and a young, and another young man by the name of Dale Crutchfield, uh, God bless his whole soul. Um, uh, they parents wanted them for technical education. Our school system didn't, didn't provide much of that for the east side of Savannah to, to, to the feeder high school, which was then Savannah High. And I told her that I wanted to help her get money to build a, a, a wing to Savannah High. And um, she said she encouraged me to go to the state to get money. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, so, so I ran for office to put a vocational ring wing on Savannah High so my mentoring group and other students that live on the east side of Savannah can have access to technical education when they graduated because those young boys didn't want to go to college, nor they had a desire to go to college. They wanted to go to high school, finish high school, and earn a, uh, and earn a trade where they can get a livable wage. So we fought for technical education, um, and, and that's how I really got into politics. And I told my wife, and I, I, and I told her that it would probably take me six years to get a vocational education program to Savannah High. Because <laughs> I, I told some of my friends, they said, when you just can't come up and get it, it takes, you have to work with people, you have to talk to people. That's going to take you eight years. And I said, I, I told my wife, I'm a, I'm a fast learner. I can finish doing it in six. This was 24 years ago. Um, um, the good thing is, is that um, after four years, Governor then Roy Barnes put $70,000 in the budget to build a vocational wing on, uh, on uh, the campus of uh, the new Savannah High. At that time, um, this vocational wing um, was uh, $70,000 was to put down for a, uh, a design of the wing. And the next year, we were going to fully fund uh, for the wing. The seventy thousand was, was was design money, and 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 the government and the government then the government said, after you get the design money, after you design the wing, that money will, will be in next year. The only problem that happened was is that governor didn't get reelected. So when we had a new governor, the whole process had to start back over again. Talking about technical education <laughs> and getting everybody back involved. But, but you know, it took uh, 12 years. But if you know, we have a comprehensive uh, school that does vocational and technical education uh, with your topics. And, and when I ride by that to, to, uh, to look at school and go through and look at the students, I can hang my hat and say, you know what? I played a role to bring technical and vocational education to the people of not only Chatham County, but, but, this, but this region. And hey, back then that was the only goal, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, that was the only goal. Short, <laughs> short sight, so short sighted. How how things change. Well, yeah, man, uh, Lester, thank you so much for talking to me. I appreciate it. It's been really interesting hearing uh, you, you 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 pull out all these old memories. It's kind of cool. <laughs> Might have to do this with everybody. But, but, 
but 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 we're still finding make things happen. And and another thing, and last but not least, I must think that I was instrumental in bringing the uh, Martin Luther King statue. Oh yeah, on Capitol on, on Capitol ground. Mm. So um, as chairman of the Black Caucus, that was um, when I was chairman of the Black Caucus. I had two initiatives, and one was to put a statue on of Martin Luther King on Capitol grounds. I had, a, had an opportunity to work with many legislators, and we were able to get that done. And and um, along with that, we were able, we also able we were able to introduce hate crime legislation at that time. And and it was a very unpopular. Well, the Martin Luther King statue was very unpopular but meeting with but, but meeting with different legislators from different parties from different ethnic groups um, we were able to work through those issues and uh, Travis Meyer and I spearheaded the effort to put a Martin Luther King statue on Capitol grounds um, and then we also worked to introduce hate crime for the first time and, and, and it, it, we, we, it took us six years to get it passed but it just talked about I was the first person to introduce it and start talking about it and working with ministers and communities across the state and then and then telling them and then work with the Republican Party, get them saying this is this is something that has come. Those two um, items also resonate with me as some of the most important parts of uh, being elected and why I think Georgia is not a, only a better place, Georgia is a more inclusive place that includes all its citizens. So I'm proud to, to play a play a role in making all that happen. Gotcha. Well, Lester, thanks for having thanks for having me, and I uh, appreciate you coming on. You have a good afternoon, all right? Okay. Good night. Yes. Thank you much. I'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much to Will and to Senator Jackson for that interview. That's all for the Thursday Commute podcast. Thanks one last time to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. Before I sign off. Please remember that we publish new Commute episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. That means you can look into our archives and maybe dig up an interview you missed. We've had Jesse Cole recently. We've had Bill Doors recently. We've had the St. Patrick's Day Grand Marshal recently. We've had some some really good episodes the last several weeks. But all you got to do is go on your mobile phone or whatever you use, your iPad, your laptop, whatever – Search The Commute with at Savannah Opinion on your favorite podcast app, and you'll find links to all of those episodes. So dial that up and catch up on what you missed. Anyway, we're looking back. Now we're going to look ahead. The Commute returns next Tuesday, and I look forward to talking to you then. Thanks very much for listening. <music>